1: This museum director of Aisvollvarr, and today we're going to talk about Norwegian history, which is perhaps one of the most important of modern Norwegian history, because this is the story of how we got our constitution. And of course, as always, I ask, how, how did you get into the history of how Norway got our constitution?
0: Well, it's a twofold way for me. Um, a, as a professional, I've I've been a historian since the early nineties, and and um, as a student, I was in, involved in, uh, in that part of history since uh, the beginning of, of, of my studies. So, uh, my uh, at least my thesis at uh, the so-called hovedfag, which is now uh, the master's thesis, was also involved with some of the founding fathers of the Norwegian Constitution, Peter Anker, uh, one of the elder representatives at Eidsvollverk, um, and and his uh, his uh, well. Uh, some of his conflicts with with other uh, representatives of the Christiania elite, the the, the town's elite of, of the what is called the Oslo today, and and other other social groups. So that was the start of it. Um, but I, and also my two books. Uh, the I've, I've written a, a biography on on Pedernales in two thousand and nine, um, which of course says a lot about eighteen fourteen and all the processes uh, building up to eighteen fourteen and also the book uh, called Spille om Norge or The Game of Norway and it's nothing to do with the game of thrones <laughs> but uh, it, it has some re- resemblance <laughs> yeah. in the title but it's more about the political year of 1840. all the political processes were which were totally new for Norway so so I I use I use the american notion of of a political revolution in my book uh, oh. looking for all the different processes from the of course, the, uh, all the treaties that um, from as outer forces uh, uh, changed history, uh, from the Kiel mm-hmm. Treaty of the 14th of January, all the way through the elections and the constitutional convention and, and the war and the peace negotiations, the, the international representatives in Norway, and, and also the different negotiations between Sweden and, and the new founding constitution in Oslo in, in the, in the mm-hmm. autumn. Uh, and also, the, of course, the at the end the, the union. So, so you have at least three different kings. You have seven different uh, governments in Norway in one year. So it's it's, uh, it's, it's it is much is happening. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> in a short amount of space or oh, and time. <laughs> so. Now
1: you worked there and you worked at Aslund. So uh, the build building is called. and You of course been in the, in the room where it happened. You see you see what I did there, and. Uh, what, what, is, it like times, be, yes, what is it like to be? like to be in the room where it happened? Do you feel kind of feel the ghosts of the the politicians who reign and the founding fathers of Norway, so, so to speak? Do you feel their presence when you? Kind of, from, from, probably a silly question, but do you, do you feel a presence when you are in that room?
0: Well, well yes, we, we we feel that it's it's kind of a um a, a, a rather big obligation for us to 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 do to um to um say something about the history and, and all the. Well, many many visitors, uh, quite rightly, have have their own notions of, of of this room. That that this is the beginning of modern New- Norway, and and this is the cradle of Norwegian democracy. <laughs> you can use many phrases, but but actually, very many of our visitors really mean that when they enter, and and you can see on their faces that that they uh, they uh, <laughs> some kind of awe <laughs> when they yeah. enter the room. So so, uh, and, and we of course take uh, take into considerations that of course, and and um, even all uh, we we don't agree with every visitor of course of what they put into the history of 1814. We 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 um, it is in our um, task as a museum to 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 uh, well deliver the history of 1814 to everyone. So so we 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 do that task with very very broadly at least.
1: Yeah. And so let's let's begin because it, it kind of opens with the Napoleonic Wars. Because of course, it's always the French. Even in the standard name history, the French play a massive part of what made the foundation. So, what what role did Nap the, the Napoleonic Wars have in the, with the foundation oh, of Norway?
0: Yeah, indeed, it's it's uh, what happens in 1814 is part of the Napoleonic Wars. You might say um, we have to start. In 1807, at least. Uh, well, we have to start before that as well. But before 1807, you might say that that uh, Denmark-Norway ruled as an autocratic state uh, yeah. with a sovereign in Copenhagen. Um, Crown Prince uh, Frederick was the uh, uh, sovereign from 1784, uh, crowned as king uh, after his father died in 1808. But that was a, a very, you might say, one of the most consistently outlined uh, autocracies in the world at the time because and and for that part in Norway because we didn't have any nobility or, or anything so well we had some arist- aristocracy and we had two counties in 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 the Westfall county but uh, and well, they were baron- Danish
1: representatives
0: right yeah very much a re- a Danish representatives uh, but 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 you could say that it's it's more or less developing into a Danish Norwegian elites yeah. uh, during at least during the 18th century, but but uh, and as a, as a, a, an autocracy, it's a it's a liberal autocracy. It's it's not a it's not like Russia or, or even France, in it's um, you might say potentiality for for uh, putting down uh, separatism or, or any kind of oppositional talks. And in, in it, it is uh, it is a public sphere in in Copenhagen and also, also the smaller towns in in, in norway at least in the uh, centers of trondheim in in uh, bergen in kristiansand and of course kristiania uh, there, there are uh, uh, of course oslo which so uh, is contemporary Oslo, yes um so so you have you have the clubs you have a public sphere you have you have uh, um, uh, at well you have all the kind of organizations you have the Freemasonry you have you have ballroom societies you have reading societies you have uh, also academic societies uh, and of course the um, academic um, uh, the society in Trondheim is very influential as but well. If, as, but yeah. they don't
1: have a university yet, because, just, as I understand, that was a, one of the things they were striving for—to have a university. Indeed, in yeah. Norway, because they had to go to Copenhagen to be educated
0: at the time. Yeah, and there were several complaints about that, because the, the Norwegians said that, "Oh, look to Ireland—they have—they have, they have uh, the Trinity oh. College in Dublin. Why don't we? We are—we aren't as uh, well." They looked upon. We are. We are
1: Irish. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well. Well, they said they said that, but but. Uh, so, so, yeah, that was one of the complaints. And it was um, uh, putting forward with um, different uh, strengths through the through the decades in the last part of the 18th century. But in the 1780s, at least, there was several uh, putting forward the, the claim for a Norwegian uh, university. But still, um, within that uh, atmosphere, you might say, um, it was still a autocracy. The, the king was on top and he was potentially a man who could uh, put down everything. <laughs> um, uh, it, was, it wouldn't be wise, of course, because it could. Um, all the Danish representatives sent to Norway had to more or less mediate with the local elites to find out what, what kind of... Should they be a, a cane from the government or should they go native as Norwegians? Uh, that was, um, it wasn't a very repressive uh, autocracy. Um, but then in 1807, and, and within this, uh, economically, um, we stayed neutral in many of the wars during the 18th century. And this neutrality situation made at least the merchant elites around the coastlines of Norway uh, rather rich. Uh, and and um, when the year 1807 comes, this uh, comes to an end, and which is also changing the, uh, the um, atmosphere, the political atmosphere in Norway as well. Because in September 1807, British bomb um, Copenhagen and uh, as a result of that uh, uh, he's still crown prince his last year as crown prince Friedrich the, the sovereign of Denmark he says that okay then I go to the Brit's enemy and that is of course Napoleon. So we've become uh, an ally with Napoleon and which is uh, there is a rational thought you, you might say from the Danish government but it's a very devastating choice for Norway because of all the external uh, export mm-hmm. to Britain that is put to uh, an end. And that makes, um, first, it's it's rather patriotic uh, atmosphere in Norway on the case against the Brits and against uh, mm-hmm. all enemies of of Denmark and Napoleon. But when we go into 1808 and 1809, also after a war between Sweden and, uh, and Denmark-Norway, then that that patriotic uh, wave um, is flattening out. It's more getting uh, more and more irritated that Copenhagen aren't doing enough, for, isn't doing enough for, for Norwegian interests. But, so that is the start for for this. And then you also have the university um, uh, project coming up again, and you get an, a, a university in 18, 1811 then in in Oslo.
1: And we did have to mention, of course, that there is also a great famine in 1808 because Indeed, in, sorry, yeah. 1807 because British blockade that doesn't really help the grain supply from Denmark, which we were very much dependent on at the time.
0: Indeed, we were from Jutland. That was the the, the grain chamber of Norway. They they called Jutland, Agiland. Uh, so 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 that was that's true. Um, and and uh, even uh, national poet, uh, famous uh, Henry Gibson, even even wrote poems about this. The uh, the Tarjevigen poem uh, about how uh, a southern uh, Norwegian uh, fisherman uh, goes by boat to Jutland to, to get grain to his uh, starving family. So so that's uh, that's that's part of Norwegian memory, also long into the 19th and even 20th century. So 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 but that that's also it's it's turmoil. It's um it's a kind of de- de- destabilization of Norwegian society at the same time because of the lack of income. Um, and and then you also have a, a new kind of leaders in Norway. You have Christian August, who is the high command of, of Norway, a German-speaking Danish prince, um, who eventually <laughs> makes a bold career move by becoming the crown prince of Sweden and also head of the Swedish government uh, in during the year 1809. And one of his protégés and one of his... You might say. Um, is it look? Is it look uh,
1: like, oh, Sorry, is is, is he looks That's trying kind to of a traitor,
0: or is he? How is it how well, is that Yes, in, in, in some chambers, <laughs> in some circles in Copenhagen, uh, yes, but not in Norway. Norway, he he is at last the uh, or, or at least the uh, the last commander who who, who has um, fought back an invading enemy in Norway. So so he was very much thought of as a high commander in in Norway, uh, all over Norway actually. Um, but well, of course, uh, those who were con- mo- most mostly connected to Copenhagen were, of course, very, um, very <laughs> uh, irritated and and, and uh, scared by this. That that uh, the, the high commander in Norway should become um, the leading man of Sweden. Now that didn't uh, happen for long because he already in May 1810 he died on a on a uh, field of practice in in Skåne, in southern Sweden. So so he he went rather. Out of Swedish history as well, but among that group of um, thing makers, you might say, or or or, or web <laughs> um, spiders in the web around him was uh, one of the leading men in 1814 as well, and that was Count Väinö who became the what we call the Union Party leader. Um, that is of course a historical construction mm-hmm. afterward, but but he was. Among those uh, who want a settlement with Sweden, all the way, all the all the period, uh, and and um, was very in opposition to many of the uh, ministers in 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 Copenhagen. Mm-hmm. So this is a, this is a, this, this this those years between eighteen o seven and eighteen fourteen is 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 that's years of turmoil, destabilization, famine, even, uh, but also of Norwegian self government. You, you um, the Christian August, he becomes also a um, leader of a provisional government uh the kongelige Interimistiske regjeringskommisjon for Norge as it's called Norwegian um, which was also totally new at the time um, and also you've got the new institutions like the university but also the patriotic society of Norway so the kongelige selskap for Norges which also becomes a very uh, a point of gathering for for many of the Norwegian elite to talk more about how to develop Norway as a as a soul <laughs> nation, uh, you might say. Um, so so, so, you've got institutions building up in this period as well. So it's not like in 1814, snap. It's, yeah. <laughs> it has, of course, a, a, a history. Um,
1: and of course, I have to mention that Sweden, and this might be hard to believe since we are Scandinavia, so the Scandinavian countries are the best of friends today, but back then we were bitter enemies. So Sweden, of course, joined the opposite side, and they they won the prize for joining the Opposite side of Napoleon. Yeah. What, what is the price that Norway? <laughs> well, holds? that's Norway, of course.
0: Well, <laughs> well, uh, well uh, it's because, of, as you mentioned, we were or uh, the uh, the whole history between no uh, Norway and uh, well Denmark, Norway and Sweden is, of course, uh, as nemesis uh, in in war uh, during all those And this goes all century. the way back
1: to the Kalmar Union, where
0: Norway it,
1: was kind of second fiddle. In.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So. So. But. But this and, and the, the very. The gruesome century, or uh, the 17th century, the war century. <laughs> that was that. that the war, uh, um, the wars between Denmark, Norway, and, and Sweden were many and costly. Um, so, so. But after the Great Northern War uh, around 1720, that's ended. But in uh, just going forward with the, the history between 1807 and 14, in 1810, you have a new individual, the new mover of Nordic history, I might say, and that's. The old um, field marshal of Napoleon, Jean Baptiste Bernadotte, mm. uh, and who were elected as crown prince and also as head of government in Sweden. i kind America. of want to talk about
1: him. His backstory before he come because yeah, well, he's, he's just kind of a normal soldier. He doesn't. He's he's not part it, of the French nobility. He does rise in the rank and he take advantage after the French Revolution, yes, doesn't he
0: he? he? he came from modest. Uh, um, Environments. Actually, his father, I, th- I think, was a, a lawyer of local, uh, well, a local judge in in Pau, in southern France. And He was of no significance uh, regionally or nationally, but he he um, he rose in the ranks of the well, the uh, absolutist French royal uh, armies first, but as being of, of humble birth, he, he couldn't rank the top uh, officer posts. So he felt he felt like a, a, a glass ceiling there somewhere. So, but but then the revolution came, and he could um, could uh, step up with the ranks there. So he he became a general, rather young in in the revolutionary forces, and um uh, but and, and was rather early in the top ranks, uh, and got major positions as um, even the minister of uh, of war in France, and and. Uh, well, he was startholder in Hanover. He was uh, also uh, ambassador to Vienna and uh, several of very in significant posts uh, for mm-hmm. France. Um, uh, so he was uh, already from 1799 and, and well into the 19th century uh, looked upon as uh, a potential um, a potential um, adversary to to Napoleon Bonaparte when he came to to, to, mm-hmm. to his top post after 1799. Um, he's, kind um, of good, he's kind of good values
1: with Napoleon, isn't he? Yeah,
0: he was. Initially he was, uh, but he was also a, a man who was looked upon as more like kind of a desktop general, um, which is not entirely uh, uh, right, but, but it, it has something to do with it afterwards. But he became one of the 16 marshals that, um, that Napoleon appointed as em- emperor in 1804. So he was really among the Camarilla of generals. Mm. <laughs> or inner circle. So, in the circle indeed yeah so, but he, this man is he he, he he during the 1805 1810 um, 1805, 1807, 1808 um, uh, campaigns in Europe he, he more more or less got into a enemy in relation to um, internal enemy in relation to to Napoleon so he so he um, more or less wanted to have an exit strategy and <laughs> and in 1810 that uh, exit strategy was uh, fulfilled with, with the Proposition from representatives of Sweden asking him in to to stand as uh, as an uh, um, as a um, crown prince for, for for Sweden and then also a head of the government because they were looking for a for a, a field marshal with with experience with, well, ex- well victorious experience um, and, and that was, that was one of the uh, requisites uh, like the um, um, the, the the qualification markers to become the head of government in Sweden. Yeah. So then he enters and he he he, he accepts accept this and he uh, he becomes then um, head of government from from the well summer autumn of eighteen ten. And, and, that, and then, the way the way
1: I understood this is that Sweden hopes that with him being such a great general that they hope to regain Finland, but that that's not his intention, yeah. is it?
0: No, he he's he's he has a more modern approach, you might say. Uh, as you mentioned, uh, Russia here there, there was a all, you know, Sweden was was um, was fighting on two fronts in 1808, uh, not only against Norway and Denmark-Norway, but also against Russia. And and uh, and then in the end, they lost Finland, uh, the old Duchy of Finland, to uh, to uh, to Russia, which,
1: which was... of course gained gained independence in ni- 1917
0: after the yeah. Russian Revolution. Uh, really, right but they but then, then this was a re- really a trauma for for the elites of uh, sweden because many of the officers in the army of of of, uh, of sweden was also landowners in finland so it was also felt <laughs> dearly and costly for for many of them so so they were they were approaching him for a more revanchist policy to take back finland but uh, um coming from the outside and looking things in a more modern approach he he, he valued the situation like oh let's not uh, go that way because that will be, then finland and and all of scandinavia might be a very destabilized destabilized zone of, of europe uh, forever uh, he he thought so let's um, you know, in opposition to that let's uh, rather go to a, a kind of agreement with russia and he did so um he went to tsar alexander and, and he got this deal the treaty of obo um, and and more or less created a, a, a new st- stabilized period between sweden and, and russia for the first time and um, not everyone in Co- stockholm was happy with that um uh, the old gustavian uh, circus among the old kings they 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 weren't happy with it, and also many of the officers were not happy with it. But but they stood by him, and 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 um, the first um, initial uh, alliances was with Russia, of course, but also then later on in 1812 and 13 with uh, with uh, Hungary, and, and now with Austria-Hungary, with Prussia, and also with England uh, after the end in 1813, and that of course changed the whole um, whole. Um, theater of Europe, uh, regarding the northern part, at least, um, as uh, Denmark, Norway still kept their alliance with with, um, with uh, Napoleon. And as we know, after 1812, the disastrous move against Moscow, and then in the end, you might say that the, uh, the Schlacht in Leipzig, the, the, the big, big battle in Leipzig, uh, where mm-hmm. hundreds of thousands of people died, was the inevitable loss of Napoleon in the uh, napoleonic wars so so then it was looking really bad for uh, frederick and denmark norway as the <laughs> more or less sole ally and ally they have uh, that Napole- no, maybe joining napoleon wasn't such a good idea after all no 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 but well you, you might say and it's and it's uh, more rational thinking that saying okay in 1807 that that was could have been a smart idea because um uh, Frederick was also very afraid of Napoleon occupying Jutland, yeah. for instance. Uh, so, so that was another part of it. So, yeah, I mean, it did just
1: dispose in the, the long run, run, of it,
0: course. Yeah, in the long run, disposed it the
1: hard. the whole Roman Empire the year before. So, he was really close to Denmark at that point.
0: Indeed, yeah, it was. But that's the, <laughs> now we have talked long about long about yeah. the the, the pre history. <laughs> but now it's time to introduce the, the Treaty of Kiel, fourteenth of January, which is the um the, the uh, masterpiece of Carl Johan, as Jean Baptiste Bernadotte now is called, as Crown Prince of, of, of Sweden, um, and which says in Article Four that Norway shall be ceded from the from the King of Denmark to the King of Sweden. So so that is what everyone thought, or at least in Stockholm and, and Copenhagen and London and Berlin and everywhere else, that this would should be the solution for the northern theatre of Europe or, or theatre Europe of the Napoleonic Wars, at least. But someone someone in Norway wasn't agreeing with that, <laughs> of mm-hmm. course. So that that starts, of course, the whole... I mean, um, no country,
1: to be fair, no country like being occupied by another country, so... you can't is. see and where, and where the, it comes yeah. from. Yeah,
0: and indeed not Sweden, who had been a, the, the the main enemy, the nemesis of, of Norway, Norwegian armed forces for for several centuries. So, so it was... Um, well, and, and this uh, you might say it was a hard blow to Norway, a very hard blow. And you can see all all of the memoirs and and diaries written in January after the treaty was settled, that they say that what what is the what is the king doing? Uh, he's he's giving uh, he's giving us away like a herd of cattle. That's a, that's a phrase that, that, that many use. Uh, so so and then they say it is politicizing everywhere now in Norway. They are they are writing constitution drafts everywhere. And this is already in the 16th of January that this is spoken. So this, is a, this, uh, this um, Treaty of Kiel and the information about it really spurred uh, something that was laying li- latent in Norwegian society, um, that uh, not everyone was satisfied with how Copenhagen ruled Norway, to say it that way.
1: So well, when, when do we get the idea that maybe we should, we should have our own constitution, we want more freedom to the people, we want something of our own?
0: Well, you, you, there is talks already from January actually about this, and you, you also have talks about this in 1813. Like uh, I've mentioned, Count Värdi who, uh, who has uh, from 1807 been a real uh, <laughs> instigator for for a Swedish, uh, <laughs> well, uh, some kind of settlements with Sweden. And he started um, uh, sketching out a, a drafting a, a constitution already in October 1813 for, for a proposed Norwegian constitution within the union with Sweden. So, so and this is a, more, <laughs> a much more aristocratic uh, version of a constitution than the, the very <laughs> ice wall one uh, in, from May 1814. But, uh, but still, there, there were talks about it, there were several political processes going on. And and after 14th of January, it really gets on with with uh, several in Bergen, in Trondheim, everywhere in Norway, you might say. But but of course, mostly in those circles where there are some kind of academics, some kind of, of lawyers uh, uh, who have the um, the um, the competence, the the, the knowledge of, of of constitution making, and 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 has some knowledge of how this has been everywhere in Norway, everywhere in the world. Um, so. Already from that point, uh, and we have to introduce a very significant <laughs> individual now. Is, is, is of course the the uh, hereditary prince of Denmark, uh, Christian yeah. Friedrich, who is now at this time Stadtholder of Norway. Kind of wise. And class. it does kind <laughs> of go on a
1: propaganda tour, and seem to be
0: well liked, but by, by the Norwegian yeah, people. very much. so, yeah. He did not have this. Uh, you might he don't, did not have the curriculum vita as Carl uh, Johan, for instance. He didn't have any kind of serious. Uh, um, participation in war or or not a great uh, academic uh, background so so he hadn't much on the paper <laughs> but he had charm he had some kind of charisma and he and the his um, one of the main um, uh, tasks uh, he was sent with from Copenhagen was to, to to revitalize the links between Norway and the the the, the monarchy of Denmark uh, the the, the the, the king of Denmark so and and this he did and this he did with with sort of success because he he really got um um fans you <laughs> <I would> might say <laughs> around Norway uh, of course um, among the elites uh among So it was like Justin Bieber of its time. <laughs> well, yeah, he, he was. He was a charming. He was a good-looking guy as well. So, so it's, it's not a, not like just Justin Bieber. He, he 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 got more brains than Justin Bieber, but uh, <laughs> 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 well, he, he, he 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 had that. Well, this is 200 years ago. It's a more a more um, uh, religious uh, society. It's a more um, you might say differential society. Well, looking looking. Uh, with looking up on authorities with more awe <laughs> than than mm-hmm. we do, but so 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 when a prince of the blood like Christian Frederick enters a, a town, it's, of course everyone is very mm-hmm. wow he's coming here. It's it's, it's a kind of a, a fan base <laughs> like uh, yeah. situation, mm-hmm. but it's it's more um, well as as you know the the, the uh, Danish uh, <laughs> monarchy is constituted by will of God, of course, so it's also a link mm-hmm. to religion as well. So it's not like any Pop star coming it's it's uh, a man even <laughs> closely sent from god so so, so so that's also building up to the, the notion of some great authority entering the city but of course so all civil servants the priests uh, even merchants and also uh, um, uh, farmers of some uh, significance uh, really uh, or, or fishermen or whatever in towns as well they they really had um, trying and he was he was charming them and, and he, he was giving them some notion of hope to, to regain their position and regain the situation for Norway uh, after these um, tumultuous years from 1807 to 1814. So, so all the way from 1813 to uh, early 14, he was on this Norwegian tour.
1: <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of fascinating to me how well-liked he was, considering the disasters were that Denmark Norway just got itself into, that he was Indeed, yeah. part of the Danish crowd. It's quite fascinating how popular still he was. Even yeah. though it, the, this war was was disaster And also
0: considering the the lack of well, his superior Frederick King Frederick from 1808, he was not a very charismatic character. He was a a short guy, not very eager to talk to people at all, uh, and and he was uh, not a very handsome guy either. So 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 they, they they had they had challenges with with selling in the king as a yeah. as a, the sole. Uh, So the sovereign of of, of Norway as well. So so I think uh, Christian Frederick was doing a a great job on behalf of the Danish monarchy, at least uh, on that. But also for for, uh, and that's uh, even I'm not the greatest admirer of of Christian Frederick myself. I must say that he the the work he's doing in these winter months is 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 great and also um, influences the Norwegian constitution to become more. more radical than it uh, than, than it could have been, more like the Count Vedley-Artsberg version from 1813. But uh, but of course, when he enters this process, and and we have to introduce the Notables meeting, the the meeting of 16th of 16th of February 1814, where 22 of of the um, most significant men of uh, Eastern Norway at least uh, met at Eidsvollberg, the same uh, venue that should become the venue for the Constitutional Convention later. Um, um, settled and and was uh, was well. Initially, they, they were they were told to 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 give some kind of support to uh, Christian Frederick's claim for the Norwegian throne because the Danish king had had when he has sent the, or or yeah well sent sent the throne to Sweden. He he, he can't. He, he, it was his role, Christian Frederick's role as hereditary prince. To, to take that uh, kingdom on his behalf, mm-hmm. on his old hereditary sovereign rights, you might say. Well,
1: what were so, they the, doing well, uh, in the meeting of February that you mentioned in 1814? What was what's the, what's the reason for meeting?
0: That, that well, that was to, to gain the support for, for Christian Frederick's revolt against the Treaty of Kiel, actually. That, that was the initial thing. But during this meeting, he was convinced to do something else, and that was to uh, to call for a... A constitutional convention to get support from the people because his initial idea was not to gain the, the support from the people, just from these 22 men in that room. Um, so, 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 um, it's been debated who was the most influential um uh, guy at this meeting, but I still reckon Professor Georg Feldrip as one of us. Uh, originally from Orkdal in Trøndelag, but um, professor in Latin and Greek uh, at the, uni- the, the very newborn <laughs> University of Oslo, or uh, the Kongelige Universitet, uh, And he said that, uh, okay, we hear that you want to take this by, by your hereditary right, but that's not the most modern idea, and it's even some rights that's above this idea, and that's the people's right to, to take part in that. Because, and that was uh, according to General Judicial law at the time that when the when the uh, king and the people when when their alliance was uh, s- split and it was not only to the, up to, the up to the king to decide but he also had to con- confront the people and and look and ask them what do you mean so so this constitutional con- convention was also meant to do that second part to to ask the people what they would like with the future of norway so so that's the and and, and on behalf of that he says. Uh, quite um, controversially and quite opposing to Christian Frederick, that well, uh, well, considering who would be king of Norway, I, I could say that I could be king as well, or or anyone, <laughs> because you have to decide first and then ask the people's representatives to what they mean, and then you can say that okay, if they say Christian Frederick, then okay, then it's you who are the king, but you have to ask them before uh, in beforehand. And that leads on to the process with the constitutional convention. We're calling out for elections all over Nor- all over Norway from after the 16th of February, and, and also that Kristian uh, Fredrik he should rule as a regent, not as king, but regent until the convention was was gathered. So this and that, that, that sets uh, out a, a totally new process in Norway, of course, with elections all over, even in northern Norway. Although, when elected in. Finnmark, for instance, uh, on the top tip of Norway, uh, they reached Trondheim in July 1840. <laughs> <him, laughs> and i have told that story, it's, it's all over. Uh, so it's, uh, you know, the the information and the, how, how things. They didn't have the internet back then. They didn't have telephone, um, not even telex or fax machines. <laughs> so, so <laughs> yes, yeah. they, 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 they had problems with the, the information, but at least all from. Northern Trendelag and South were represented at. This we had a chance. Conference. We had a chance. Yeah, indeed. So 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 uh, so everyone gathered then at the tenth of April. Uh, this was, of course, a process with uh, very democratic at the time. You might say it's because even the um,
1: was the uh, more modern in that sense. It, it, it other was other yes,
0: it before? was. Uh, I, I think it was influenced by French elections in the 1790s. Uh, on that part, although we might say that it's more uh, influenced by German. Uh, yeah, well, all, all the, well uh, I'm not sure. We, I, I think don't think there have been looked really into what was the election uh, <laughs> rules. What 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 was the prime examples examples there? But still, they, uh, what was said was that it, it's not uh, from. Of course, the, the biggest towns, the, the biggest town was, was Bergen. They had four representatives. Kronheim and Christiania had uh, two each, and also Christian son. But all the, the land diocese... Uh, uh, um, um, oh, now the phrase uh, was uh, left from my head, uh, log for Shambling, which is, of course... Um, um, I know, oh, uh, yeah. I I... <laughs> you're running from that <laughs> yeah. area. Uh, it's, it's a it's a phrase i use every day but i, <laughs> I <don't remember laughs> it now but, but but from the area you're you're chosen from you, you there was always to be elected one um representative from the peasantry mm-hmm. and that was very modern and, and looked upon as very so, democratic. so it was
1: just the elite that was it was not only the
0: bishops generals or or merchant house leaders no it was also peasants if it, you you might say it wasn't the cotters or, or the lenders or anything it was of course the mm-hmm. The farmers with land, <laughs> which chosen. But of Three. course, I
1: imagine that they really had most no say in, in this case. Indeed.
0: yes, and and when they come to come to Aiswold for the constitutional convention, there is of course an, a symmetry between representatives mm. of how educated they are, how how trained they are in political processes, and of course, uh, a peasant from Setesdal is not as uh, as mm. uh, as well trained as a judge like Falsen who has been. Uh, so, Kristian Magnus Falsten, also the man known as the father of the constitution, um, uh, because of his many different roles and his uh, wide uh, uh, knowledges about constitutions all over the world. Uh, so, there was a wide range of competence in the, in the convention. Uh, very, but uh, there were also critical uh, um, voices from Sweden on the on the election form because uh, the um, the uh, different uh, military departments were also looked as uh, as uh, voting areas, or um, we have to find this <laughs> phrase. But still, um, uh, so 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 the land armies, the the, 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 the lower officers, the, the top officers, uh, they had their own representatives in the convention. And uh, Swedes, there's, I think, it's Per Adam Wallmark. who was an editor in Stockholm. He said that, that oh, this is just like. Uh, uh corps, corps of jan- Janissaries, uh, meaning that every r- military representative would support Christian Frederick because he was the high commander. So, so, so they they looked Sweden looked upon that as a very undemocratic part because of mm-hmm. the potentiality of of these representatives to follow their top man, the, <laughs> which was Christian Frederick. Yeah. No, so, no, no, no. yeah, sorry, S- something I wanted to take a look. Yeah. Sorry, that's a
1: little bit background now. I apologize for this, but there's something that was fascinating was the Bergen representative, I forget the name, but yeah, the, yeah. the journey, journey from Bergen to yeah. was it wasn't <laughs> yeah, quite it was, easy, it was, it was, we didn't have the railway then, it had, had still a couple of years to come, the bergen also railway line, so how it, how did the journey go
0: from Bergen well, to Aesford? That it was, <laughs> that was so troublesome, uh, for most it was by wagon or, or by horse. Um, uh, but but for many ar- along the coast, of course, it was the use of boats. And and the representatives of Bergen, they went uh, up uh, through what is now called Sognefjorn, uh, and, and they entered by Lardal, and up there. And then, w- why we know much about it? It's by uh, one of the representatives, I think it's Konov, who has a diary, a travel diary from this. So he he, he gives his complaints about the accommodation from every place. Uh, complain about the food and everything, so 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 we get a very vivid, uh, colorful description of, of how their fare was. But of course, it was this, this was looked upon as some, the major task, so they they couldn't uh, stay back. So they had to, that had to challenge all 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 weather and all other conditions that bring um, so yeah, yeah, yeah. So so when they entered the Lardal, uh, the, the very inner parts of the uh, Sognefjord. And they had to went, go by, by um, wagon up to over the Firefjell, which was rather tumultuous as well. So, so they had a tough time getting to Aisvall. Um And of course, uh, they're, they're, they entered, most of them entered the 9th of April, some of them on the same day, the 10th, and some of the friends around the, the, the circus of Christian Fredrik also met before that. But um, they come from all over Norway uh, these days in Around the ninth and tenth of, of April, yeah. and it was the start the start day, and the tenth of April was the starting day, and that was not. It was a, a mass, a local mass, um, and there was also the presentation of the election protocols from all over. So, and you actually on this day you see the um, uh, you see uh, features of uh, opposition in the in the um, in the uh, group of um, constitution uh, delegates. Uh, because um, it was that, like this election committee uh, was headed by uh, the prince himself, Christian Frederick, and he was assisted by two men, uh, Bishop Bugge from Trondheim, and uh, also von Holten, who was the personal secretary of, of uh, Christian Frederick. And every representative have to deliver their their um, their uh, proposals from their uh, own uh, constituency. That was the word constituency. <laughs> Thank you. How, how much
1: your the in? How in? Christian Frederick have a say in crafting the constitution because was it just well, moral support more or less or was it just how did have well, it he have a say? He was,
0: he was presented some drafts he, he was presented at least three or four or even five but the fifth I don't think had very much impact on him but uh, but uh, the, the the most influential draft from uh, Christian Magnus Falsen and his uh, teacher friend uh, um, Johann Gunder Adler, known as the Adler Falsenbraft, uh, he, he gave comments on that and also gave comments on, on others. So he had his uh, personal opinion, although he should be looked upon as a person outside the convention itself. Although he was the only man living in <laughs> the building when he was uh, when the, the convention was taking place. Uh, but but uh, I know even when there were dinners he had his uh, own room where, and the table was called Prince's Tafel, which is the table of the prince, where he he, he changed those uh, eating with him for for every meal. So he it was of course a democratic notion in that that everyone should meet the prince, but it was also his his possibility to promote his own views to as many as possible in the in the in the convention, of course, as well. So he was not taking bad. part, yes, but not officially uh, a <laughs> member of the convention. But he also way, had, in, to attend meet, he had to attend meetings as well, because yeah. he was a regent, as as well, and the government um, the council was uh, situated in Oslo, in, in Christiania, so he had to go back and forth to, to, mm-hmm. to Christiania to attend the meetings of the government as well.
1: Now, the way I understood it, we don't have actually much as sadly written evidence of what ha- actually happened in the room while they found the constitution. Is there a reason for this? Did they want to keep it secret, or did they... Well, well not, we had not have much yeah. written references from at the actual meeting. It's not taking place during yeah. founding the constitution.
0: Well, there was uh, what was called the uh, Riksforsamlingens förhandlinger, which is a set of set of drafts from from the from the. But then, so so that's that's one source for what it uh, what what happened. But what that is lacking, that has a, a a lot of loopholes in that. But. You also have I many diaries from at least first, mostly from the first part of the constitutional convention, at least the, the first fortnight, from the 10th to the 26th of April. Um, and some of them are very amusing. Some are some are are very short, <laughs> and some are very followed by their own pr- perspectives. But but I think it's not. I'm I'm not entirely agreeing that you don't have sources. You have a, a lot of sources. You have also a, a from letters, but, but you have, but, yeah, from the actual meetings. Well, well, you, you don't have uh, the official uh, meetings, uh, annuals or annals of so what you say, but you have um, this Verhandling as, as I mentioned, but um, what you don't have and what we lack really is, is something from the, the, the most influential uh, committee, the Constitutional Committee, mm-hmm. which is where they drafted all the articles, uh, the paragraphs in the constitution, and also the principles of the constitution first. That th- that was a very tight, <laughs> airtight uh, uh, room, you might say. And they they officially didn't uh, accept uh, any kind of um, um, uh, 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 what do you call it a uh, refer- reference references. Yes, yes, from that meeting at all. So and that's that, that's I think that is the that is the most um, what we lack the most because they had a common agreement that this, the 15 members of this committee to not speak too much or, or note this just the I mean if it came out for the I, could, hmm. I
1: mean I, I understand because it came out it could be disastrous I, I believe if what did this yeah well
0: they, they knew from from day one that there was two factions of this uh, uh, convention and of course the large faction was informally headed by Christian Magnus Falsen, uh, a judge coming from a, uh, uh, a Danish uh, law family. Uh, many of them have been professors or lawyers or judges before, many of his uh, relatives. Uh, so he, 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 And he was the man in charge of the committee, as well as presenting this draft, this total law book draft, um, and also being this informal leader, as I said. So he was this most significant individual at the convention. And he was also heading this, this uh, large contingency of people uh, known as the Independence Party, which, which is, of course, the label that we make as historians afterwards. Mm-hmm. And the large minority uh, was called the Union Party because they sought to get an agreement with Sweden and also with the great powers, uh, looking upon the lack of trade relations, which was disastrous mm-hmm. for the Norwegian society at the moment uh, in in uh, 1813 and 14. Uh, as their prime mover to establish that kind of a okay, they they will, they also wanted a constitution with with um, sovereignty for Norway and some kind of um, freedom, but but not as democratic or as radical as the as the uh, the ending product <laughs> became uh, in in May eighteen fourteen. Now but this will be, <laughs> be a little <laughs> fact
1: about the, the constitution. As you know, in America, the second constitution is that they are here to keep your guns. But in Norway, the second constitution is that we get to keep our p- pitchfork. They can't get our pitchfork away.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, well, it, they're not going to get
1: my pitchfork.
0: <laughs> well, <clears throat> I'm not that interested in the pitchforks, I must say. But uh, it, it's true, and we—we we, actually, I didn't mention that as uh, into the introduction, but the museum I saw 1814, as I'm a director for, we have also launched a a. Um, a um, project, a, a, which is looks which has also presented books, and it's called um, "It's Called Founding Fathers Across the Atlantic," and, and is looking uh, on the two oldest constitutions, the American, and, and as you can see on this, um, we have mixed uh, the Trumbull uh, painting of the Declaration of Independence with 1814. That's in the Stuering of the Parliament. Yeah. Of so, so we use that as a, our, our yeah. banner <laughs> for for the project. And we take this. We take the the standpoint for this project, which is also also. You can see it. We have Falsten at the, the frontier, and yeah. Falsten very much looked to James Madison and the 1787 Philadelphia Constitution as as uh, for his idea of how a division of power should should be uh, sketched or drafted in in the Norwegian Constitution. So so the U.S. Constitution is the is the you you might say the 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 uh the most significant uh, example they look upon but they also mm-hmm. look upon on uh, the french the different uh, french constitutions even even to the swedish uh, 1809 and also the Cadiz uh, constitution of 1812 Batavian um, also but uh, they also look upon how um, they they also look to uh, to autocratic uh, uh, constitutions um, for the um example of how, how the king should be included in the constitution because Norwegian constitution of course have a king <laughs> have a monarchy which you don't have in, in, in yeah. the constitution of course so there are, are Norwegian um, specificities that you have to include as well um, which also means the allodial rights which is a rather peculiar law in European and West, western uh, um, uh, law History. So, so you had also you didn't have only international, but you also have Norwegian and, and regional um, aspects that had to had to be included. And this fifteen man committee, the Constitutional the constitution committee, had to be really going through all their own views on this and own drafts. And you had people like Count You have the loose cannon on deck, Nikolai Verglund, the father of uh, national poet Henrik Verglund who uh, was part of the Union Party, but as well as uh, shooting against the independence party also shoot as his own the union party so he was an unpredictable guy and you, so, so they had a, a lot of fights I guess in this committee um, in addition to also receiving up to 30 different drafts they should uh, copy and paste from to find the best alternatives for Norway so so they mm-hmm. had a really, really difficult uh, task uh, those 15 who sat in this committee
1: now, so, something that we we're discussing was whether or not they should have a nobility or the, whether they should dispose of this. Why did what? And they, of course, chose to dispose of the no, nobility, which means unfortunately that can never become nobility myself. But no, no.
0: Uh, but why, why did they choose to dispose of the nobility in, in I, I, the first place? Yeah, but because both. Uh... Well, leaders from both factions, both Vedli and, and Falsten, they, they were uh, sympathetic to, firstly, they were so sympathetic to a, a nobility. Well, Falsten he changed his mind, but that, I think that was also coloured by how they divided the, the parliament system as well, because as we, one of the notions that make the Norwegian constitution radical in 1814 is that we have a one-chamber parliament. Well, we have Something called the log thing and all this thing, but everything is elected from the parliament, stooping. So you don't have a you don't have a, a House of Lords or House of Commons like in Britain, or you don't have the Senate and the House of Representatives like in the US. So this one chamber parliament or a quasi two chamber parliament is is making the parliament or the legislative body very influential. Which well, is...
1: What was the reason for doing this? Was it this... well? Was, um, was it uh, simplified
0: uh, or? Well, as it said, well, uh, there are different views on this. But Pe- Peter Mutzfeldt from Bergen, um, an artillery captain who had been serving in one of the slave islands in the Caribbean, Saint Thomas, um, but he was represented in Bergen, representing Bergen. He said that it was neither uh, natural nor wise for Norway, who does not have an ability to have an upper upper. Uh, um, uh, a house Over of lords, you might say, and that was also very coloring the idea of uh, why should we introduce something we don't have the uh, hereditary basis, the demographic basis for why establish something new that we don't see the the uh, point in establishing. I mean, I mean that, we that,
1: did have dukes from, from the Viking uh, age from twelfth, 13th century, but that <laughs> was like 2000 years yeah.
0: ago, yeah. So you could. There was, of course uh, ideas of re- reconstituting things like uh, a new uh, hash aristocracy, as it's, <laughs> I think it's called in the 10th 11th century but uh, but uh, that was not uh, and, you, and, and you, you might say that that here you can see that the democratic part, the, the peasant representatives also played a role while supporting. Those who went against yeah. establishing this, because they didn't see any use of <laughs> establishing a nobility that that w- could. Was more... there a
1: fear that we would go into serfdom
0: if if we did yeah, have nobility? Yeah, probably <laughs> not a serfdom, but but at least some kind of comp- a new competition for land and new competition for their kind of industry, which of course was agricultural. So 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 yes, I think uh, there was this, uh, if not a fear, it was very. Large parts of skepticism <laughs> at least for uh, establishing a new kind of elite that um, they didn't see the point of and and could be of of some kind of competition for them yeah
1: so we what George said earlier about the second amendment in america but well, but, but to be serious serious now what what was some of the constitution that we were talking about, and how much from the yardlsberg constitution in s in Sweden did they choose to
0: come into the? Get into the constitution of Norway. Well, there was a, he, uh, there were elements of, of how to uh, um, restrain the king, you might say, or at least uh, there were like false, uh wanted a, a, a more power to the king, uh, to the uh, to the uh, ruling body, <laughs> the king and, and government, than uh, Count Vredel. So it would be more I like guess. like
1: more or less like Denmark, Danish.
0: So, yes, it, it was like that. It, it was more, and, and and the the notion that uh, that also the king should be given only a um, um, postponing veto, not not a not a total veto, uh, was also um, um, done by 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 Count Veedle. But there were, and also that it was a, a well, the formation of the formation of government and their position uh, in in relation to the parliament was also. Uh, quite different, but at least the the, the idea of a, a Montesquieu kind of uh, of a division of power was more aristocratic and more, most Montesquieu, at Count Wedel than the actual uh, constitution uh, that was um, um, decided. But but initially, even Falsen was also uh, a skeptic of a very radical uh, radical. Um, um, parliament and also he was also against the one chamber um, one chamber um, uh, parliament but um, there were other aspects that you might say that differ and um, and he was we, we also have the, the 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 black spot on the on the um, on the constitution the the the, the the paragraph uh, abolishing Jews from Norway, mm-hmm. which uh, of course Count Vedel was uh, totally against, while Falsen looked around himself <laughs> and looked to to the priests who were the real instigators for abolishing Jews. Um so 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 uh, um so what, so was that
1: anti at the time or wasn't that some for yeah, Well at the it was
0: it was a part of what we could look upon as a Protestant racism that was the ruling agenda at that time. So, so yes, it was racist, but it wasn't racist in contemporary views. So, so that's because the moral compass has changed since 1814 and now. Yeah. So, but but in our view, it was ra- well, you could say that everyone was racist in that uh, uh, in that convention. But uh, uh, Count Wedel, he was less racist at least. But he was he wasn't only looking about at, looking towards the Jews in a. Philanthropic or or a, or a humanist way, but it was also economic because he knows that the uh, the bigger uh, banking firms in London were Jews. So he was looking if they're going to be um, um, foreign loans, which uh, Norway had to survive on uh, after 1814. He had to look to London, and and problem he got uh, immediately after 1814 because it became. Okay, spoiler alert, he became <laughs> Minister of Finance afterwards uh, in the new government, in the new Union of Sweden. And he, 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 one of his big obstacles was that any firm of Jewish or mosaic descent in London said, oh, you're not going to be getting any loan from us with that constitution. Be- because, of course, we had this, uh, this uh, repressive and, uh, article uh, uh... That, that the Jews and Jesuits and all monastic orders were not allowed in Norway. So so, also so that uh, it's just religious
1: freedom in Norway, which is kind of ironic, yeah. ironic, ironic to me because they didn't want the Indeed Jews Indeed, it's in.
0: one of the strangest things about the Constitutional Convention because initially they think that it was a freedom of religion, as you say, but they ended with a rather repressive article on this. So it's uh, I'm, I'm not sure if they had a bad day or <laughs> what happened, but, <laughs> but, uh, but it wasn't. It, it was very okay, strange,
1: religious yeah. freedom
0: except the Jews and Jesuits. Yeah, yeah. So it, it could have been either way, you say.
1: A lot of people would don't
0: like. Yeah. So, so, well, this uh, all the articles, but first it was the 11 principles for, for what a, uh, a constitution should be like, um, having their, uh, the constitution committee was also preparing that for the plenary session in, in Riksalm, in the constitution hall. Um, but then after that, there was a, every going through every, every article. Um, and then concluding around the nine or eleventh May, I think it's when uh, they're all through the all the, the paragraph, and then ending with a uh, and with a um, economic debate on the thirteenth of uh, May. Um, no, when... I,
1: I want to say that there is a famous painting that people. I don't remember how it, where they it talk about the constitution. You see all the representatives mm-hmm. in the room. Of ice world, but that argues that this is people think it's from 17th of May, but it argues that it is from 11th May. That this no, it's
0: a, I, I think maybe it's the 9th of May because it's Falsen who is acting as president of the of the convention, and he is. Uh, I think he's he's giving uh, the. <laughs> The hammer over to uh, Colonel Hegelman who, la- no, who is the last. No, sorry, it's Professor Sverdrup, of course, who's the last one. Um, so, so I think it's 9th of May. This may mean that it's um, the actual date of the painting in in uh, mm. the great painting behind the speaker. Mm. Yeah, but still. So, so on thirteenth of May, it, it was the, a great debate about uh, whether the Norwegian state had an economy to to <laughs> to have a basis for a state, and it was uh, a, the other. Large committee, but it wasn't as significant as the constitutional committee. But it was of course the committee of finance, and they proposed uh, a draft saying that yes, we have enough. Um, we have our minings, we have our our uh, lumber and timber merchant business, and we have our fish, and we have our we have our our um, uh, shipping as well. So so we should we should uh, and we have money, <laughs> some money yeah. to to to. Uh, to uh, uh, to survive on at least so, so they proposed that we have uh, they proposed a draft for a national budget but then actually this was meant to be an economy debate but it was actually very much about patriotism um, and you have one of the loveliest uh, most rhetorically beautiful speeches in this <laughs> rather prosaic uh, uh, debate um, because Falsen and Georg and, Svedrup uh, they were saying that if you really want the goal of a Norwegian state, you have to do the offering, uh, which is a, a barrel of grain or something that was e- each man should be proposing for, for a, as a capital for, for, for Norway. Um, but um, then Count uh, Edel said that this is this is futile. This is this is um, um, a utopia because all all the trade links are are gone. There there, is, there are embargoes on us. There are there are um, a blockade as well. Uh, like it was in 1808. So, so they said it, it's, it's you can't talk of a Norwegian economy which doesn't give any kind of income, and and the domestic uh, trade uh, is not uh, large enough to 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 make us uh, survive. But then uh, there was a Bergen priest named Jonas Rein who, who who stood on the table and had this beautiful speech about. About patriotism, saying something that every man will be looked upon with pity who doesn't do this offering in this day for the Norwegian state, etc., etc., et uh, which is also which resulted in a in a in a massive, massive uh, majority for for uh, for the drafting of a of a plan for a Norwegian economy, so to speak, and a national budget. Which was uh, rather naive <laughs> looked upon mm-hmm. in posteriority. but but still, at that time, it was the rhetorics that that, that um, um, convinced the, the the majority to support it, and and afterwards there was a, a toll, a, a customs officer named Umsen who said that, okay, uh, poetry is one thing, uh, reality isn't isn't uh, is something different, <laughs> so 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 there were uh, there was there wasn't that much belief of that. Decision uh, afterwards are either, but then we come more to to the more, um, uh, <laughs> uh, what do you call uh, consolidating the more more where, where where you you see more unity, and that is of course uh, 16th of May when they finally decide on the word uh, chosen for the constitution and the rhetorics. Uh, so so that's the that's the constitution day actually <laughs> 16th of May, and then the 17th of May. It's of course chosen as our national day because of the dating because the dating in the Constitution says seven 17th of May 1814
1: and of course if you ever travel to Norway and you in May you absolutely should travel to seven on be here on 17th May it's quite wild a wild yeah. celebration
0: yeah it is it's it's wild but it's um, it's it's you, you could say uh, I, I very often get this question, isn't it a bit too, isn't it even nationalistic, the way you celebrate in a mm. national day? And I say, I I, no, I think it's a, a, a very uh, important distinction between that kind of sound patriotism, that it's it's the children parade, which is the most important thing, and the flag uh, and the parades. It's not tanks and missile rockets, like you see in other, other countries. So, if we had had that, that, that the Karl Johan Street in the middle of Norway was filled with tanks and missile rockets, that's that's would have been a different dinner, I think.
1: And, and <laughs> so, especially so, during the Nazi occupation, after this, we when we didn't have that, it took we really wanted to celebrate a national holiday after the Nazi yeah. occupation. This
0: view from nineteen, this new from April nineteen forty with German soldiers going through the, uh, in the same. Um, venue that the children's parade were going and are going afterwards. That's also, of course a, a very um symbolic contrast to to, to to what we do today. So so I think it's 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 a great happening as you say and it's and it's um um I I, I, I must say it's, it's mostly um no it's, it's of course a lot of ice Yeah yeah that's, <laughs> that's, you have to of course you have to go to Eidswald <laughs> see the real thing of course the, the to, to, to experience Constitution Hall, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but if you go back to history, uh, the 17th of May was, of course, the the uh, royal election. that what it's. It's more a royal day <laughs> when you look about on, on history than a constitution day, because the constitution was was uh, decided for already on the 16th. But you also see the division of the of the convention on this royal election, because the first to give his um, to give his uh, vote was eh uh, 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 he was the second oldest man, he was the highest ranking man, he was grand what you call, grand cross of Dannebrog which was he was even ranked higher than his son-in-law who was count Wedel. Um so and he said that mm, at the, and and the president said that it, it, after the negotiations it, it came to that they had to have a, an oral representation of what they said, that they had to speak out what they meant. So, and Pedro Anker was the first elector, so he said that okay at the at the time. And I think it's wisest to talk to Sweden and the great powers mm. before we go to an election of a king. That's what he says. And, and of course, all, the, the majority control. says that they started like the parliament in London, and booing and saying "woo," you have to rule, you have to do, you have to say a name. And even the president, that Professor Sverdrup at the time, a very authoritative man, he said that no, you have to. It's our obligation to choose a name. We have to change. And then, of course, Christian Frederick comes in and he says,
1: "Hmm, "Why don't I become the king of Norway?"
0: (laughs) So he said that. uh, He he said that. Well, then, of course, I, I, of course, uh, choose Prince Christian Frederick as king of Norway. And then number two elector is Christian Magnus Falsten because they both come from choose amt, which is this is alphabetically ordered. So so and he says I cho- I choose immediately Christian Frederick as king of Norway. <laughs> mm. And this uh, and this this is a division. It's, of course, it's a, a, an anonymous choice of, of Christian Frederick. The vote declaration is different. Like those who are because after this, these two have given their vote. They say either I I, I choose like Chamberlain uh, Anker because it was a uh, Danish Chamberlain as well, or I, lo- I choose as um, Judge Falsen, Falsen. Uh,
1: so- now, of course, this is but- a big, big breach of the TL Treaty because, of course, they were promised to Sweden. A surprise for choosing yes. the right side of Napoleon and yeah. one character we have left out for quite a while, which we thought is rather significant in the story, is Carl Johann or Charles XIII, oh. as yeah. he He's not he's not, he not very happy with this. No, of course not. And he's, and
0: he's still dealing with Napoleon on the continent uh, when it starts uh, in the winter months. So, but but uh, soon after the decisions made at Eidsvoll with the constitution and the election of Christian Fredrik as king of Norway. He's on his way back to, to Sweden with his veteran troops who have, have fought, with the, uh, fought against Napoleon and won. <laughs> and and they, when, when they are, are, are finding out that this is, uh, this is um, going to be a, a troublesome negotiation, they think that they prepare for war and they have a, 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 a more effective intelligence than Norwegian authorities have. So they more or less know what happens in Norway quite broadly. But then that,
1: do have Swedish representatives in.
0: Well, yes, you have you have you have Swedish spies in Norway. That's uh, that's uh, documented. You also even have English spies in Norway at at the time. Now, something we haven't
1: talked about, which I kind of understand, is that they were they were talked about being an English colony as well. Brief, just briefly. And I thank God that didn't happen because they obviously had no idea how England treated their colonies.
0: That's no, but sad. there were many many of the merchants who had very close relations to authorities in England. Actually, so so there were there were negotiations. Well, there were more or less um, informal talks about this. But what happened after the uh, um, Christian Frederick? Also, his his election. Uh, well, the election of him was uh, known in Europe all around, Then England was first uh, <laughs> uh, on the on the. Uh, on the field to send out a special emissary, uh, John Morier, uh, to 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 get to gain more information about what happened in Norway. So he is sent more, quite immediately, uh, first to Kristiansand and then up uh, to Kristiania. And, and he has his connections with the Union Party uh, because Peder Ankerk who had been helping out many members of the, many Tory MPs actually uh, when they were taken as prisoners of war during 1807, 1808, during the war between England and Denmark-Norway. So he had actually <laughs> he got more information about uh, what London meant than Christian Frederick uh, got because he didn't have the same relation. But when he, and when confronted with this special emissary from England, Christian Frederick was also known that. Well, I've I've had several talks already with uh, Count Wedel and and Pedro Anki. So, mm. so so so, really was rather pissed actually when he <laughs> he was informed that uh, someone knew more than him about the situation. And then
1: oh, I think we can, can
0: all say that we are very happy indeed that we did not become English colony. Yeah. Well. Well. Uh, that's well. Yeah. Well. It's. It, what really came as the solution was was much better indeed, mm. because after this after this special emissary, there, there are the official delegates from the great powers. You have you have um, Augustus Foster from England. You have a, a Prussian, a Russian, and an Austrian who, who comes to trying to uh, trying to convince Christian Frederick to abdicate because that is not according to the, the Treaty of Kiel, which they all have supported. And now this, um, rightly, uh, Christian Frederick answers that that's not, not up to me i have not elected myself you have to you have to mm-hmm. uh, c- uh, confront the the conventional uh, group who have elected me i can't answer for them and and so he used that as a more constitutionally uh, b- buffer against any kind of um acts from these delegates because he says that's not up to me i haven't elected i can't i can't, I can't abdicate from something i haven't elected myself now as as i've
1: seen from from the earlier with the treaty of Russia that Karl-Johann the Charles thirteenth again he is a rather diplomatic king he he doesn't really want war there as there's building up the war with sweden at this time because they fear that sweden might in, intervene which yeah. they initially spoiler like said spoiler alert does <laughs> and we will talk, talk about it in a second but he hoped for a diplomatic solution and it's
0: pragmatic in does. that sense. Yeah but he is very convinced that that, that Fredrik must abdicate. That's that's a point point one criteria for everyone, I, I think. But um, um, well, then these delegates, their their um, their suggestions uh, goes to barren ground, you might say. It doesn't uh, pull through. So so they leave uh, the the um, they leave Norway, and then it's war. Um, and then of course uh, uh, Charles John. <laughs> Karl uh, Johan is back with his veteran troops, and they attack Norway. And uh, it's a rather swift uh, operation. It's uh, a don't...
1: disaster for Norway.
0: Indeed, yes. At least from Østfold area, from the from the southern part, uh, it's it's very problematic. They do some more resistance in the Hedmark Kongsvinger area, but uh, but it's only. A some days more than a fortnight then it's all over and um, it's because Fredrikstad fest, the fortress of Fredrikstad they fall very swiftly and, and is falls and everything mm-hmm. so it's a very problematic uh, the uh, development of war in, in the south uh, theatre
1: now the contrary so, to what you so, may think the population and the peasants are actually happy to see Swedish troops because they bring food and bread back to the, back to the yeah, population so so instead min- of, of like last time, when Charles the Twelfth invaded, they went against. Were against him, but this time they are pro, rather pro-British. Sorry, Swedish. Through yeah,
0: yeah many of them are that uh, because they have also they have <laughs> lifelong uh, experience with good trade relations with the Swedes. So, so um, not considering the <laughs> geopolitical situation <laughs> between the, the governments. So, so they have been smuggling all, all over the all over the borders anyway so 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 they when they see swedes they, they don't mind that much about it um so so that's um but 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 after that um the, the war situation is more or less settled and they go to the negotiating table.
1: Something, something I do want to come up bring up is that they, there mm-hmm. seemed to me that they, they were such good fashion because they were placed on the border in the, the region as which I kind of find amusing is that they were so good friends that they already knew each other. They had three yeah. union, <laughs> part, parties yeah. together, e ate together and and the, when when during the fighting when the, it was breaking up that they became it friends is. and ate together even during the wartime that they agreed to shoot up instead of at each other. Now, I don't know if they actually did this, <laughs> but you know it's, I, I, it's something I find amusing about this China- Scandinavian yeah. it spirit. That it's, uh, kind of I, th- I
0: think very much changed in those seven years because the, 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 the war situation in 1808 was more fierce than in 1814. Hmm. Um, and they had to uh, develop new trade relations during this blockade situation because they couldn't use the sea because the British Navy and all the all the privateers uh, in the sea areas um, hindered that kind of transport so they have to <laughs> make informal um, uh, relations with with Swedes to, to manage to get some of uh, commodities from uh, but just to, to to lead on with the after the war yeah. because then then Karl Johan uh, Charles John he, he looks uh, as a looks as if a winner but he goes into the, con- the negotiations with the norwegians or, or with Carlehan with, with, uh, with uh, Christian Frederick I mean. and and he looks upon that with um, it's it's the end in the result the, the convention of Moss as it's called Mossa convention the that is a... where what, it's, sorry it's the Moss Iron work where, it's, where it takes place yeah right? that's uh, um, also owned by the Anker family by the way mm. um, so so uh, it's a um, that is okay it's of course a, a sanction of, of uh, Norwegian loss. And The abdication of uh, Christian Frederick uh, is one of the uh, uh well, one of the claims there, yeah. of course. But you also have a civil victory for Norway, and that is that Karl Johan is accepting the constitution of Eidswald, 17th of May. So no, so, no, he does
1: try to oppress the constitution, and he always does after he take over, yes. So, so, well.
0: it, but it's it, of course, when when they are negotiating, it's everything is on the table and off the table. <laughs> but but the, in the end, he accepts the the constitution as the leading document for Norwegian for, for Norway's future, which is a civil victory for Norway, although it's a military loss. Um, but that, of course, uh, many many people looked upon with with uh, the um, well, they question why he did that because it, it's in the long run, and, and it did also. <laughs> um, uh, changed that view uh, later after at least after 1821 when he really uh, is uh, pissed with the Norwegian parliament and, and Norwegian government because not uh, giving support for his claims I mean, so, 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 it so hasn't,
1: He doesn't argue that, that he wants friendly relations because if nor-, nor is friendly with Sweden they,
0: they want yeah, well, he the rebellions want to, in... he, he, he doesn't use that notion of friendship. He says that I, for instance like um it's also a question: Why did he not take Iceland, Greenland, and, and mm. Faroe Islands? Uh, and that's because I think he wasn't. He was a land officer. He was not a naval officer, and he was looking to England and saying, "Well, the Englands, uh, well, the British, they dominate. So let's forget uh, those uh, parts of the Norwegian kingdom. Let's just take Norway, uh, proper, Norway proper." But uh, in the same manner, he didn't want any kind of uh, mil- long-lasting military activities in Norway. He, wanted, he didn't want a Spanish guerrilla war, for instance. He, so, he, so did, also... he,
1: he didn't want Norwegian, or Swedish troops in Norway, like in for example. Yeah. Sa- forfsa, 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 yeah so
0: and, and of course, hill in Norway, it, it could be problematic in many of the Dalförer, further as we say, in many of the valleys in, in in Norway. So 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 that was also in his view, and. He, and he, they also say, of course, that it's, he, he had some pressure from Europe because he was also taking part of the Congress of Vienna at the time, uh, which was really uh, setting uh, the future for Europe after Napoleon. And, uh, and, and going there with a war in your <laughs> handbag, yeah. so to speak, uh, would be problematic as a negotiator uh, in the European negotiations there. So, so it, it was very important for him to, to fast settle the situation in Norway. Was, was
1: he a, king a modern? King, king? He was a very modern, like we discussed before. Was a
0: very modern king in that sense? Yes, he didn't. It, well, he's modern in one sense. He's very military and 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 a more archaic in in, in a military sense. But is when it, when it comes to setting civil things, he's 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 not taking into consideration all traditions and every every other aspect that has colored Scandinavia for centuries. He he goes right into looks on the map and says. Mm-hmm. This is the best solution, and this this system will function best for Norway as well. Mm-hmm. So, so, so I, I think he has a modern approach, but he's also pressured by time and also by other other uh, other um, neighbors like the Russians and everything.
1: Now, something but, uh, that I've kind of forgot to ask when we talked about his origin is: mm-hmm. would it be fair to compare him, call him Europe's Hamilton in a way? He comes from nothing, and he ends up. Being, being king
0: of yeah. Sweden and you king know, of Sweden Norway at the end would it be fair to compare him to Hamilton? Uh, uh, you, you mean Charles John or Yeah. yeah? No. Well, no. I. I'm, no. I, I'm not sure that I. I we, we have a. We have in in our project. I. I, I challenge several historians to find a, a Norwegian constitution, well, father constitution, and an American founding father, father. And actually, the one who was. Paired with Hamilton was Count Wiedli-Artsberg, which of course is when their their um their birth is 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 quite opposite, of course. But they have the same thoughts of of a federal government, of a strong federal government, and also of a, a national banking system. Actually, so 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 they are very they have exact the same ways of setting a bank plan into into real life, so to speak, uh, in. Norway and U.S. Um, so, so that, I, I've used that as better, but just so it's now who's the who's the Hamilton in in a in a broader perspective? I'm not sure because Hamilton, of course, is a is a unp- unpopular guy mm-hmm. <laughs> and looked upon with disgust from Jefferson and Madison and, and I mean, he uh, did, yeah, did, did get a the musical though, so must yeah, be yeah, awesome. indeed. So, so I, I've also I, I did I, I did actually. Present uh, well. I, I gave a historical presentation for when the uh, uh, Hamilton the uh, the the uh, musical was presented at Colosseum um, mm. in Oslo, and I <laughs> said that if Norway, you can't get a Ivar Jensen um <laughs> the musical or Jan Tore Sander the musical, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be right. But you you should uh, uh, rather imagine
1: imagine a rap, uh, <laughs> rap <laughs> but, but song I said that
0: <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but you still, you you should have you know, rather used um, Count Valdarspil, the black metal opera,
1: <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> for, for using a, happen, a, a more it? kind of a um, a music genre that's more mm. uh, related to Norway. <laughs> so, so, so that's it. No, well, I'm not. I'm not I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't agree on on the and, and Hamlet. I'm afraid, although they are part of the knees, both of them coming yeah. from Norway. Uh, Humble birth, but uh, rising to the top of the society. Of course, they are.
1: Now, for, what? Before we go, what are some of the constitution that was, were agree upon, and how much it changed? Of course, it must have since in modern.
0: Yes, countries. much changed, but 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 much of everyday life lasted. You might say, um, of course. I imagine pop- the
1: Jew, Jew part of the Jewish? Uh, constitution yeah, that was has
0: changed. that was uh, amended uh, during the 1840s. Well, I think 1851 is the year when the. Uh, norwegian parliament finally um, put an end to it but uh, but um uh, from everyday life you had elections you know well the, the year of 1814 as i see it is it's, it's a political revolution for norway going from an autocratic state with no political um taking part uh, from norwegian citizens to this uh, year with two two elections uh, both in uh, in the winter and also in in the autumn you have the you have two constitutional conventions. You have war. You have uh, international. Uh, and you, I didn't mention Christian Anke in this as well, so who is fighting for Norway in London and getting in every London paper. Getting is, Norway. is he Norway the attention. guy that is get
1: get arrested, or is that another
0: guy? Sorry, yeah, is he, it... he's, he's, he's he's also arrested. Yes, because he has some. <laughs> his creditors are, are after him because of some lack of payments. As well, so so he has a he has a troublesome uh, stay in London, but he is also doing a very good job in in March and and, and April, convincing the large minority, the Whigs, of, of well, and they were of course uh, headed by the famous Earl Grey, man who <laughs> the man with the T. and he was actually uh, the um, chief whip of the uh, Whig party. Uh, and, and they supported him but they, but he didn't um, convince the Tories the the, the the leading majority of the both chambers of the parliament but he he, he got Norway on the on the on the agenda uh, in uh, in London papers and all all, all over Europe actually uh, because of that because so many papers looked to, to london so 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 Norway was on the agenda as a national entity for the first time and then you could so so so, so election and taking part in that is of course. Uh, once they didn't do that every year, but that was also part of it. And then you had, but you had the local judges, the local state system that survived. Uh, so that was much the same. And you, but until at least uh, 1836, when you get uh, the so-called Ferdinandscap's law, which gives, which is laws on on regional and local administration. Uh, where you get a local democr- the start of local democracies in Norway, so that's mm. that's the second most important until you even get parliamentarism done in the 1880s, and in the end then 1905 full sovereignty also in affairs of of uh, foreign and military mm. politics. So now, um, yeah, now
1: before I go, of course, I always let uh, the historian promote the work, and if they have, haven't even about to share, and of course <laughs> the answer is kind yeah. of. Uh, Obvious, but why should people, if they do travel to Norway, it's just one hour away from Oslo, so it shouldn't be too hard to find, but why shouldn't people take the time to visit Ace for Work if they come to Norway?
0: Well, well, it's it's, it's, a, it's a rather remarkable uh, piece of politics done in the total periphery of Europe at the time. Um, it's a very, very undernourished politically, <laughs> Norway are, are able to create a very modern modern uh, constitution. That is... Uh, I, I, that that is the only thing that you can uh, defend the notion of a miracle year, I think. <laughs> but but you have you have um, even in a politically undernourished part of Europe, uh, individuals that, that are reading, that are uh, communicating by letter to others, and and in the and you see so many of the international uh, traits of of, uh, of current. Uh, Ideas of how a constitution should be, how should how it should, should look, look like. So, so there are there are uh, intelligent people even in Norway <laughs> that, mm-hmm. that could get this uh, through. And it's and it's a fascinating story of how how um, indeed with everything from um, being um, get, getting an international. Uh, well, I <laughs> you might say a, a United Nations. Uh, um, Observatory Corps, 150 year before the United Nations were, were mm. designed, but but you you have this international view on this, and you have a, a very radical, maybe the world's most radical um, constitution at the time. It's more, uh, it's much more radical than the more aristocratic uh, American one, and all the very revolutionary. Uh, uh, constitutions of France have fallen of course, with introduction of Napoleon yeah. uh, and his code Napoleon, which is much more authoritarian and and the oh. French. It's, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but but the, the French had their. Uh, it's also there's good good and bad things in France always. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so so um, no, so, so 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 the 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 um, the um, the lessons for, for for Norway is that you're okay. You have to have some smart uh, individuals, uh, but you also have to have luck. And, and I think we had a lot of luck in this. Trying, It's, it's very easy for Carl Johan, Charles John, to, to, to have made his um, decisions otherwise than he really did. And he really could have put much more forces in Norway and demanded a new constitution written by him and his, his uh, adjutants. I, I did
1: have a tremendous amount of respect for Charles the Thirteen. Yeah, me, to, me to too. Have, to have to go the route that he did, and choose an open, modern, and political way.
0: In... Yeah, uh, me too. I I, I admire his uh, <laughs> his guts and his ideas, but uh, but but mainly from that period, from eighteen ten to to eighteen fourteen. Uh, later in his period, he he a more repressive king, and he already old uh, <laughs> old man also in in his thoughts i think so so it, it didn't develop well but in in those crucial years sir, from 1810 to 1814 is a very modern individual very modern politicians and taking bold uh, decisions uh, that also was very very much for the good of norway as well so so i think there's a uh, uh, I know it's not very popular all over. Uh, in Denmark, it's not very popular, <laughs> but but uh, even among scholars in in Denmark. Uh, so so um, so there is uh, different views. Even in France, is a very controversial. Uh, it was is looked upon as a traitor towards Napoleon in some in some circles along the Napoleonic society. For instance, there is very controversial views on on, on Bernadotte. No, so
1: uh, um, yeah. something we didn't discuss as well, because obviously Norway became part of Sweden, Norway. But what happened to Prince uh, Frederick? Christ yeah, Christ
0: well, Frederick he he, after, he was after... of course uh, as king, head of government uh, in those uh, few weeks in in the summer. So, uh, but uh, I was king the... for
1: a few weeks of Norway.
0: <laughs> yes, and but then after the the, the most convention in August, he he more. Uh, that takes the position as a lame duck, uh, and uh, there are uh, a more of a, a provisional committee or provisional government that, that rules on his behalf. Um, so, uh, in the last days in October, he's, uh, he's uh, just waiting to get his boat back. Mm-hmm. And then, <laughs> that's, a, that's a side story. But the, one of those who's, who is receiving him in at um, at Deu where I, was, I was in Oslo. Where he's uh, sent from is uh, actually one of the constitution drafters sending one of the most radical drafts. Um, uh, and his, his his name is Count Holstein-Holsteinborg. He's a young nobleman from from Zealand from from Denmark, and he uh, he is he, he put so much effort in that Christian Frederick is the new man, but he's getting very disappointed after 1814 because even as a king he he. he in the 1840s, uh, Christian Frederick is not a promoter of democratic thoughts like he was in, in 1840. So he he goes back to Danish autocracy. He, he does become <laughs> a king. Of, yeah. Sorry, but yeah.
1: background there, but he does become king of nor Denmark, Denmark eventually, doesn't he?
0: Yes, in 1840 he does. After Frederick is is uh, has died, so so, but but even in those eight years of rule, he doesn't. Uh, it's, it's only in the last two years of his rule that he is, and that is of course in the in the revolutionary year of 1848, so it's very. There are external factors as well there for why he is going into discussions of a constitution for Denmark, which is come, becoming uh, more radical than the Norwegian in 1814. But hey, there's 34 years <laughs> it has gone as well. So, so. Um, uh, so he's he's not he, he's not uh, fulfilling the dream mm. <laughs> from 1814 in his uh, politics afterwards I would say which is a disappointment you might say mm. but this actually just the, the, the side story there with Holstein Holsteinberg because I've looked into his his works and he, he was also a very um, um, uh, reformer in Denmark uh, but he didn't have the networks he didn't have the political support for it. So so they, uh, that is actually one of my disappointments. I'm not disappointed with his son Frederick, but he did uh, as much as he could. But I'm I'm more disappointed with politicians around King Frederick in Denmark and Copenhagen because they didn't. They had the opportunity, really, because uh, King Frederick was really uh, in a fragile state as king uh, during 1814. And, and if there was a political party in Denmark, who, who would promote reforms? That was the time, but they didn't, and uh, that's uh, historically I, I find that rather disappointing. By um, a rather academically and an, an enlightened elite who doesn't use that initiative, that momentum to, to also mm. also change uh, Denmark as as the Swedes have done from 1809 and as the Norwegians did in 1814. So. Mm that's i'm ending on danish uh, <laughs> <laughs> danish critiques here
1: <laughs> sorry no no uh before you go there are the you want to promote any social media where people can find you if they have more questions about 1814 and the year of how we our constitution
0: yes well, well you said uh, well i <laughs> i am. Um from promoting isn't the best thing to do but, uh, but that's my book on, on 1814 uh, and then and, and showed the, um, the um, biography but I we, we have a we have a, as I said a project that I uh, isolation 14 looking on the Norwegian and the American Constitution mm-hmm. and what and the and the, um, the shared uh, experiences uh, and also the shared um, um, ideals in the in the constitutions and we use that as a, as a standing point uh, for how it's become very different societies <laughs> the american and the norwegian so so um so we are we are having a, we're producing two more books we have a, one book which is finished it was about norwegian american cooperation since 1814 to now and we're going to do, produce another book who is looking on national monuments and how and the role they play and the to- stories they tell so that's uh, a american british argentinian norwegian operation
1: <laughs> very much looking forward to that one thank you so thank much you. before we go i just i forgot to say this last week but recently a few weeks ago we reached 100 subscribers on youtube this is the first money milestone so thank you to everyone who was with us from the start as we said we are available on youtube spotify apple podcast wherever you can find podcast Please like, share, and subscribe. And if you got the time, write a little review for, if you liked this episode on Apple Podcasts. It would help us out a lot. This has been Well That Is Well. My name is Alan, and I'll see you next time.